Martin. Welcome to part three of our series on a new life in Christ. And today uh, we're looking at baptism. We've looked at faith in Christ. We've looked at repentance. Uh, Nick shared so helpfully last week. And, uh, and today we come to the point of the public sign of the public demonstration of what we've been talking about that is baptism. And I look back in, uh, in my folder of talks at uh, the first time that I spoke on the subject of baptism in this church. And uh, I was amazed to see it was the 27th of January, 2002. So that was uh, more than 20 years ago. Uh, I just turned 23. I was young, I was excited, and I preached on how baptism was an amazing thing. Little confession, yes, I was tempted to just take my talk out and uh, deliver it again because I'm not entirely sure how many people would notice. Then I remembered that Andrew Patterson is part of this church and he undoubtedly would remember something about it uh, so I wouldn't get away with it. Uh, And there we go. It's always important to be transparent on matters such as this. 20 years I thought, 20 years. In that time, 27th of January 2002, I asked Sharon, I said, Sharon, is there a record of the baptisms here that would be easy for me to access and just have a look at and just sort of spend some time thinking of uh, of what that period of time has meant? And and she does what she does. She does something on her computer and, and by magic, a wonderful record of the life of the church appears. Since, two, since the 27th of January 2002, I think there was four people baptised on that day. In that 20 years, 213 people have been baptised in Barnabas Community Church. That's roughly 11 a year. It's a little bit more than that if you take out the lockdowns where we couldn't do anything, let alone a baptism. Just short of one a month. And as I read through this list, it was really quite uh, poignant to think of all the people whose lives have been affected by the good news during that time. Many of whom are active members of this church, some of whom are active members of other local churches and part of the Christian community in the town, some of whom have drifted away from an active faith since that time, some of whom have died in the intervening period. I don't think that's linked to the water we use or anything like that, so please don't be concerned about that fact. But over 20 years, there's been a real sort of a a churn, if you like, of people, many stories intertwined, who've been baptised in this church. One of the people we baptised Uh, leads a church planting initiative in the Middle East and we had the privilege of hearing from him recently. Two other people we've we've baptised here um, as uh, younger teenagers are now leading churches in other parts of the country. It's exciting to see and to hear. We say that we want to be a community church for Shrewsbury, for the region and for the nations and you actually see an impact of people who've been baptised here in the last 20 years in the local community, in the wider nation and also overseas. 
Approximately during that time, during that 20 years, the church membership here has grown by something like 80 people. So the baptism and and people regularly coming to faith and being baptized is a really sort of visible sign of vibrancy in the life of a local church. In the 12 months since lockdown was finally lifted at the end of last July... We've had the privilege of baptising, and I do need to read my notes here because I don't want to miss anybody out. We've had the privilege in the last 12 months of baptising Emma, Izzy and Seb, and then Angus, and then a few weeks later, Cheska and Lucy, and then we were out of our building. We were up at Christchurch after the flood. We baptised Scott and Ryan, and then we came back in and we baptised Kerry and Addy and then Poppy, and we were really hoping to baptise Nathan today, but the practicalities didn't work, so he's being baptised hopefully later on in August. That'll be 12 people in our first year since the end of the lockdown. Four of those people grew up in a Christian home, whether that was in this church or in a different church, and had a lot of family input. And, uh, and then when they were old enough to really hold the faith for themselves, that is when they got baptised. Five of them are people who were outside of the community of faith, people who we didn't know. And they've come to faith directly through the witness of this church, contacting us, coming to a meeting, meeting someone from a church, running past us in the marathon, Googling us. You remember some of the stories, doing the Alpha course, repenting, believing in Christ, and celebrating that publicly through baptism. And three of the people came to faith in other places, and as they became part of this church and settled here, uh, they felt that it was time for them to really nail their colours to the mast and to be baptised. Yeah, that does add up to 12, just checking the maths on on that one. So this sense of us as a church being a visible witness to the community around us is so important. Speaking into the lives of our own children, being available to people from the local community who God is drawing in to find out about the Lord Jesus. And that vision of the church, that heart that we have, has been made manifest in the baptismal pool in the last 12 months. We've literally seen it unfold before our very eyes. As a church, we have a real passion for the mission of God in our generation, and all the other things that we do are are coming in towards that ultimate goal. And as we see people saved, as we see people added, as we see people baptised, we see that come alive. And it's such an excitement and an encouragement that there is purpose in what we're doing. So now we're going to turn to baptism and why it is so important. And so we're back into Acts 2 and uh, verse 38. I think we've read that uh, every week for the last couple of weeks. And I'm going for it once more because it's such a foundational verse. (coughs) Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all the Lord our God will call. 
Before we jump in on baptism, I just want to rest on verse 39 there. Those of you still with your Bibles open, we will rest on verse 39 because it often gets overlooked. We talk about the repentance and faith and belief and baptism, but verse 39 says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And that is uh, exactly the point that I just made when I spoke about the people who've been baptized in the last 12 months. Our children, people that we have an opportunity to witness to because they are within our families that we bear spiritual responsibility for as parents and as a wider church family, but then also those who seemed far off, those who we didn't know, those who we hadn't yet met. Those that the Lord calls are receiving this good news that we've been talking about week on week. So that verse, that verse 39, has literally come alive in this church over the last 12 months. We've seen that happen through the waters of baptism in the pool. But what is this role and importance of baptism then that we see it as so integral and so important in the life of the church? Repentance happens, this, uh, this turning around, this, this changing direction, this choosing to follow God. We put our faith in Christ in his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. And then baptism is a really public, one-off moment that says this is what's happened in our hearts. It's a sign that Jesus himself did. He didn't do it because he'd sinned. He did it out of obedience to his father and he did it because he wanted to model what we were to do. Father looked down and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased because of his obedience. And likewise, Jesus modeled the last supper. He took the bread and he broke it. He took the wine and he poured it. And he shared it with the believers and said, you do this as a public sign to remember me after I have gone. And so those two signs, baptism and communion, become really, really important in the life of any church because they are what Jesus himself did. They're what he showed us. They're what he instructed us to follow in his footsteps and do. These two signs, these two ceremonies, the religious word is sacraments. They're what Jesus himself did and they've been passed down through the ages, through the church. Baptism, once at the beginning of our journey of faith or towards the beginning of our journey of faith. And then communion, a regular reminder to bring us to that point of public declaration of our faith and unity with one another. That's why we do communion once a month in this church on a Sunday morning and in other settings. The two things that Jesus gave us. Baptism is a public sign of what is already in our hearts. There is currently war in Europe, as we've just heard, as we were learning about things we can be praying for. My personal opinion, this is just me speaking as an individual citizen here, my personal opinion, what I stand for, is that the geographic expansion of a fascist government in Russia needs to be stopped in any means possible, and it needs to be stopped in Ukraine because it's a threat to all of Europe. So we need to stand with them, 
but we need to do that while doing what we can to avoid nuclear war and escalation. That's my, that's my political view as a citizen of this country. That's aside from the friends we have there, it's aside from the stories that we hear, a simple question of, of justice and freedom and the sovereignty of a nation, I stand with Ukraine. That's what's in my heart. I've got nothing against Russia or the Russian people, but the imperial aggression of their current government it's raised its head in Europe again. Fascism has raised its head in Europe once again. And so I stand with Ukraine. There's a number of ways we can be uh, supportive in doing that. Obviously, there's giving money, there's praying, there's being active. But what can I do here in Shrewsbury? I felt really exercised by this because it was like, I've, I've got such strong opinions, I actually need to show it. And I wasn't really sure what to do that would make any difference, but I did what I normally do when I'm a bit stuck, and I went on eBay. And, uh, and I went on eBay, and I bought a very large six-foot Ukrainian flag, and I put it on the fence outside of my house. Now, we're on the major bus route, lots of people drive past our house, and so there it is, and sadly, it is going to be there for the foreseeable future. It's already been there over 150 days. It's a sign that I can use to demonstrate what is in my heart, but it's also a sign for the people around me, for the people to know what I believe, to know where I stand on a particular issue. There are Ukrainian refugee families now living in the area where we live and, uh, and children in the children's school and, and one of my daughters was invited to a birthday party so I went to then collect her and, uh, and this Ukrainian mother with her children near to where we live said, oh, do you live locally? Uh, we had this conversation in sort of broken English but her English was way better than my Ukrainian. I had Google Translate. She was doing her best. She said, oh, do you live locally? I said, yes, I do. I said, I live around the corner with that house with a flag on it. And she talked to the others in Ukrainian and the whole room lit up. Yes, we know where your house is. We have seen the flag. The two of those kids, a uh, little girl aged 11, little boy aged 9, they walk to the park most evenings. And in order to walk to the park, they walk past our house. It makes me really sad to see them. It really does something to me. It hurts me, thinking the same age as my own kids, but thousands of miles from home, the men of the family not able to come with them. And as they walk through on a sort of summer's evening, uh, in the quiet, in the tranquility and the peace of Shrewsbury, they have to walk past my house and a very large sign that says there are people who live here who stand with you and what you are going through. Baptism is a very powerful sign of who we belong to of which side that we are on. It is a sign to those who believe, to know that, that, that oh, oh, you're with us, we, we recognize you. And it's a sign to those who don't believe because we're saying, this is where my hope is. This is where my faith is. 
But why baptism? Why, why the water bit? Why, why the drama? Couldn't, couldn't Jesus have just said, you know what, if you follow me, get yourself a flag and put it outside your house. It'd be a bit, bit easier or maybe a t-shirt or a pin badge or, or some sort of a thing like that. What is the purpose of baptism? We're in Romans 6 now and from verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Colossians 2 from verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So there's two signs that come out in those verses. One of them is about what we believe, and one of them is about what has actually happened in us. What we've done and what we believe buried under the water just like Christ was buried and raised as Christ was raised out of the water. And let's be honest, baptism services would be a little bit awkward if they were not raised up and out of the water. There's always that slight fear, isn't there? There's that slight moment of relief where their very wet head just pops back up out of the pool and, uh, and we know that it's going to be okay. Raised with Christ back out of the water, showing what we believe, that our hope is in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, but then also showing what's happened in us. Our old life has died. It's, it's a sign that our old life has been buried with Christ. And as we come back up, it's a sign that a new life has started, a new life in Christ that comes from repentance and faith and is made visible in a one-off sign that is a wonderful act of obedience. Baptism. When Nick shared last week about repentance, he was talking about changing direction and uh, changing our mind. And that was so helpful in many ways. But I want to take that one stage further. And I just want to focus again on the fact that repentance isn't just changing direction. It's completely and totally turning around. It's not just like I decided to take the kids to, to, to North Wales for the day. And then when I, you know, I was heading in the Wrexham direction, and then when I got to that island with the Mackies on, I turned left and I ended up in Clangochlan. That would be changing direction. Repentance is more than that. It's we got up to the day and we were going there. That's where we were headed. And at some point, we completely and totally turned around and decided to come back to Shrewsbury as far away as possible as the direction we were travelling. That is no reflection on beautiful North Wales, where my family is from. The thing we're turning away from 
in repentance is not a time or a place, but it's the old ways of doing things. Our old thinking, the ways we acted when we weren't putting God first in our lives. Our sin. And as we turn away from that, it's not just like we're choosing a new direction. It's more like we're almost running away from a crime scene. And it's a crime scene where the crime was done by us. We're not running away from it because we're being hunted or because we're at risk of punishment. We've heard the punishment has already been completely and totally been taken by the Lord Jesus. So we're not running away from it from a sense of fear. We're walking away from it because we've been called to something that is completely and totally the opposite of who and what we used to be. What we used to think, the attitudes we used to have, the the ways we used to use our bodies. We've been called to a new way wholeheartedly following Jesus that old life has died and in baptism we see a sign it's been buried and we are raised into a new life in uh, Peter's second letter he's talking about people who say they have a faith and then go back to their old way of living and he quotes uh, he quotes a proverb uh, that says uh, those who turn away from their old life and then go back to it are like a dog that returns to its vomit you can see where this next story is headed already, so just prepare yourself if you're a little bit squeamish. We've been looking after my mum's dog, Fred, this last couple of weeks. Now, Fred is this really cute, affectionate little dog, and uh, he loves the kids, he sits on your knee, gorgeous little dog. He does have an insatiable desire for food, though. And so you have to be really careful. If you leave a bowl on the table, if you leave um, a crisp packet on the side, if you leave the bin not in a locked room, Fred will definitely have a go at it. And one morning I was in my mum's house, and, uh, and in fact I was in my house, and Fred was eating. And I was like, where's he got the food from? All his food is now in clip-down boxes, it's all hidden, it's all up high. Where on earth has he got this food from? And, uh, and I looked a little bit closer, and, uh, and it was clearly some of his breakfast that he'd eaten so fast he brought it back up, and then he was eating it again. And I was like, oh, that was completely rank. My, my, my stomach churned. It was like, why would you do that? And I really felt God whisper to me, that is what it's like when you go back to those old ways of thinking, those old ways of acting, the things that I've brought you free from, literally that feeling is why we need to keep our repentance in mind and keep on following Christ wholeheartedly. Leave that old life dead and buried in the waters of baptism. Baptism is the sign of saying that bit of me, that, that history, those, those things that I did, that person I was, that has died. And, and this, this new me wants to wholeheartedly follow Jesus, certainly not getting everything right all the time or anything like that. But my heart has completely changed. And this is the direction that I now want to travel 
That's one reason why we don't necessarily um, baptize people straight away at the moment they come to faith. But actually, sometimes it's good to have a little bit of time to just let that decision sink in and work out what does it mean for me? What things need to change for me to wholeheartedly follow Jesus with my life? So that when we come to the waters of baptism, we're not just showing intention, we're actually showing what has changed and the third clear sign of baptism as if the bible needed to convince us any more is 1 peter 3 21 a sign of the cleansing that has happened and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a good conscience towards god it saves you by the resurrection of jesus christ signifying cleansing. Now, you will be relieved to know that we don't have bubble bath or fairy liquid in the baptismal pool, although it would be quite good fun uh, one time maybe to do that. Uh, someone kept putting a rubber duck in there for, uh, for a number of years. We still haven't quite worked out who that was, and I'm not going to make any accusations by making eye contact now, but I do, ha- I do have a suspicion The cleansing has already taken place. Our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus through repentance and faith. And rather than the regular ceremonial washing that was required under the old law, we have this uh, this ceremony again, this sacrament of baptism that is a sign of the cleansing, the cleaning that has happened through the blood of the Lord Jesus as we've come to faith in him. A big, warm bath is a public sign of what he's already done. I'm always very grateful when it's warm. If you would like to be baptized in the river, we will do that for you. But bear in mind, the water temperature is radically different. Baptism by immersion is the practice that we see in the Bible, in the scriptures that we want to follow. We preached through the book of Acts last year. And in the book of Acts, people believe and then are baptized in Acts 2, 8, 9, 10, 16, 18, 19, and 22. Repent, believe, and be baptized was the message of that early church. That literally was the gospel, the good news. And and in those different chapters, it's more than one setting sometimes. There's 10 or more different baptism accounts. And we find the following threads. As we look at, at why those baptisms took place, this is what we find. It's practiced by people who were of an age to decide for themselves. And they'd heard the message of Jesus. They'd heard about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. <clears throat> They believed that Jesus was the Son of God and had paid the price for the sins of the world. They turned away from their old life. They had repented. And then they were fully immersed into water as a public sign of this new life that they now professed. And this word baptism, baptizo, it literally means immersion. It should be immersion. It it was almost 
put into the English language as baptism because there was already conflicting thoughts of of what to do within the traditions of the church. But the actual word means immersion. Greek scholars studying New Testament Greek, they found a recipe for pickling where the fruit or the, I don't know, cucumbers or whatever it was, was actually baptized. It was immersed in the vinegar in the jar. Again, we're not recommending that on Sunday mornings. But you get this picture of complete and total immersion. Like an immersion heater in your hot water tank. We recognize, of course, there is the tradition uh, in many churches of, of christening a child. And we, we recognize the, the, the wonderful faith response of parents to do that. It's something that we honor in people and we recognize. But it is clearly different to baptism as we see it in the New Testament. And baptism is such an amazing thing. Those of you who've, who've been baptized will share. Your baptism is such a wonderful blessing in God, before God. It's a day, but it's something to look back on. And it's like a foundation post. As sort of leaders in the church, as sort of shepherds in the church of God, it would actually be like a dereliction of our duty to say, no, it doesn't really matter. Kind of any way we'll do just do what you want kind of thing. That's, that's as crazy as saying like communion doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you don't take it or whatever. Like we really want to encourage people and be open hearted and say there is wonderful blessing of God in this act of obedience. It is a fantastic thing. So go for it. It's walking in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus himself. It's not just an optional extra it's not just a sort of sectarian view from our part of the church read through the book of acts and allow the holy spirit to speak to you about the role of baptism by immersion and i am certain that you will be convinced so we're really happy in this series and generally in the life of the church to nail our colors to the mast and say that baptism in water By full immersion, if that's possible, sometimes it's not for health reasons. We recognize that. But it's such an amazing thing. We don't want any believer to miss out on that. And that's where we stand. This journey of faith. Repentance, faith, baptism as a very public sign of that. And then comes empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And empowerment by the Holy Spirit in every example in the book of Acts again, in every example in the early church, it was for God's mission and it was for his witness. Guess what's coming next week? Please don't miss it. So I've got three sort of ways I'd like to finish, three reflections that I'm going to land on. The first one uh, is if you are a Christian believer and you haven't been baptized, can I really encourage you that it is a wonderful thing and we don't want you to miss out on that. If you think back, those of you who were here to, um, to Addie's testimony earlier this year, coming to faith many years ago and uh, being used by God in all sorts of different ways, but moving from place to place in life and then feeling, now I'm settled in Shrewsbury, now I'm settled in a church for a period of time. This is my moment where I really want to be baptized. And it was such an astonishing 
astonishing, wonderful testimony of God's work in his life and we could celebrate together. If you've not yet been baptised, please consider doing so. If you have been baptised, let's live it out day by day. Over this next week, what bits in our life have crept back in? What things that that when we publicly gave our faith in Christ, what bits have crept back in? What, What things did we have in mind when we went under the water that we're leaving those behind? Which of those have found their way back in? Let's live each and every day as though we got baptized yesterday. That kind of feeling. We got baptized yesterday and Jesus is coming tomorrow. What does it feel like if we live in that space? And I say that to myself as well as you, because when God spoke to me, when I then had to clean some dog sick up off my carpet, but when God spoke to me at that point, there was something really clear in my life that he put his finger on. And he was like, does this really belong in your today? Does this really belong in your future? And I had to, I had to repent again. I had to say, I, I want to walk away from, from that again. And I want you to, by your Holy Spirit, would you help me to continue to walk free from that? Those of us who've been baptized, let's live every day wholeheartedly in the good of it. And then thirdly, believe, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Come next week expectantly. Jamie Muir is going to be speaking on the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the regular refilling in the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a prayer team here. We are going to lay hands on people and we are going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower individuals and to empower us as a church for his mission in our generation if that's something you've never had before we'd love you to come and receive that if that's something that 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 you've had and it's in the past and you'd like that sense of being renewed and being empowered by the holy spirit that's what next week is going to be about but can we actually be almost preparing for that in advance expectant in advance, praying, uh, making ourselves right with God, saying, Lord, I want to do business with you next Sunday. So what things this week do I need to work on so that I can come wholehearted, not feeling like I'm on the fence or I'm pulled in two different directions, but next week I can come and I can say, Lord, have your way with me. I want to receive your Holy Spirit so that I can live as a witness to you. The whole book of Acts was about raising up a small army of witnesses to the risen Lord Jesus who literally changed the world because the Holy Spirit empowered them to speak out to their own children and to those who were far off. Our prayer and our continued desire and passion in the life of this church is that we too are an empowered community of witnesses who bear witness to Christ, to our own children, to those who are close to us and to those who are far off, who the Lord draws in. Friends, neighbours, people in the local community or people none of us know who just Google us and find us. They want to do an alpha course and we will declare the goodness 
and the, the power of the resurrected Christ in our generation. That is the best advert I've ever done for someone else's talk. I really hope Jamie comes and smashes it. We've got every faith in him. He loves the Lord Jesus. He's really passionate. He wants to see the kingdom come and he's really excited. He's already chosen the, 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 the song for the end of his talk. He wants that uh, hymn uh, uh, God of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. That's how we're finishing next week. People are going to come to the front. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to work. And we do have faith that these are significant moments in the life of our church. But we had to pause on baptism because it's so foundational, it's so important, and it's so truly wonderful. I'm going to pray now. And then Martin can draw the meeting to a conclusion. Father, we want to thank you for the new life that is available in Christ. Lord, we want to thank you that we can repent, we can turn away and no longer be stuck with, no longer be enslaved by our old way, but we can repent and turn to you. And Father, I want to thank you that we can have faith in the death and the resurrection of the risen Lord Jesus that has done everything that we need for salvation, that we don't add anything to it ourselves, but you have done all that we need. And Father, we want to thank you for the visible public sign that is baptism that seals the deal that shows the world that that declares to those who know and those who don't know that we follow you and father I want to thank you that when the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven he then sent the Holy Spirit to empower those who'd repented believed and been baptized to empower those people to live as witnesses so I pray forward in anticipation for next week Lord we're in your hands we're available to you would you continue to work in power in our lives as individuals and in the life of our church in general and I pray in faith for next week Lord we invite you Holy Spirit be preparing the ground in our hearts and our lives this week so that next week we are ready for encounter with you and we pray all these things in Jesus name Amen